Hello and welcome to the Property Management Show. I'm your host, Alex Osinenko. My day job is a CEO of 4.5, a marketing company that works exclusively with fee-based property management companies. I spent the last seven years of my life helping property management companies become more successful by improving sales, marketing, and operational efficiency. On this show, we'll deconstruct success into its key components and invite subject matter experts to help you improve every facet of your business. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, uh, welcome to the show. We're at National NARPOM Conference in Maui. Um, it's really great to be here, and I have a, a, a co-host and a few guests to introduce, and our topic today is going to be interesting. We're going to talk about state of the industry, um, and then we'll dive in at some of the more specific questions on how small to mid-sized entrepreneurs can compete in this space uh, within the next five years. So let me talk about my guests real quick. Jordan Muella is my co-host. He's the CEO of Lead Simple. Happy to be here. My uh, person to my right is... Uh, None other but Michael Montero, he's CEO of Buildium. Hey, Alex. Thank you for making it here. Really appreciate your time. And then, uh, last but not least, uh, Andy Props, CEO of Home River and uh, past National NARPM president. Thanks for having me, Alex. Honored, honored for you to have joined us. Thank you. Honored to be here. Thank you, sir. So let's open up right off the bat with a tough question, okay? And I, we hear this a lot at the conference, so I think let's just bring you some clarity into this uh, question here. So at this stage, there's been lots of outside capital flowing into the industry. How do you think, and we'll start with Michael, how do you think this shift will affect the competitive abilities of the small to mid-sized entrepreneurs in the next five years? And I thought you were going to start by asking me where I was from, and I softball <laughs> question. No pleasantries. Uh, we yeah, get right, yeah, we, get we right, right into in. it. Yeah, you know, I think, I think the same way that smaller independent companies have been competing with better funded companies since the beginning of time, I think it's, it's really important for the independent property management company to first figure out how they're going to differentiate in the market. What are they going to be better at than, than anyone else? What are they going to be known for? And I think that's how property management companies, independent companies are going to have to continue. They're going to have to do that in order to continue to compete with some of these larger, better funded companies. So whether that's we're going to specialize in a particular type of, of rental management or we're going to really focus in on, on providing outstanding customer service, I think being really clear on who their ideal customer is and then being really clear on how they're going to differentiate and what they're going to be known for is going to be, is going to be really key. Got you. Andy, do you have a take on it? Yeah, I think I, I agree with what you're saying, of course. Um, you know, having their own story. I think with the larger companies, the story kind of gets lost. Um, so for them to go out there and talk to people and kind of share their story and how, how they got to where they're at, how their story helps that investor, that local investor, grow their business and what, what their service means to them, uh, connecting more on a local basis, uh, you know, is going to help them kind of stay ahead. But it is, it, I mean, it's a, it's a valid question. I mean, there's a lot of that stuff happening right now. So we, those companies have to really try to find that identity and then get that, get that message out there. So we're hearing Jordan. doubling down on, on niche, on brand. Follow up that for you guys personally. I know that both of you guys run companies where branding is a priority. Was branding a priority for you guys from day one or was that something that you grew into over time? How did, how did the evolution of your, your thought about brand evolve? Well, well, to me, branding was a priority, priority day one, just because I kind of have a personality that I really care what people think about me, and I, and I, I really couldn't differ, differentiate my brand from 
me as a person. Sure. So, you know, we looked at our, our mission statement and we said, what does our brand represent? And we wanted to represent what our mission statement represented. So our, my, my mission statement is basically my own, our, our mission statement is my own mission statement. I wanted to be able to portray that same brand message through our brand. And it's not, our brand isn't our logo or something like that. It's basically how the public perceives us right. and what we do. So. Um, I, I want I want that to be a good message, just like like I'm sure you guys too. And you know, four and half is a great partner to help us have that message. So um, you know, the brand the brand stuff is really important to me. From not just now, I mean, as we're a bigger company, but since day one. Right from day one, Mike, how about yourself? Yeah, I'm not sure we thought about it as brand 12 years ago, but I but it was really important for us from the beginning to be really clear on on how we were going to be. Be different. So at, at Buildium, like in many other industries, we we too operate in a really competitive market. We have we have competitors that are bigger, that are better funded. But we decided really early on, we got really clear on a few things. We decided first off that we were going to be laser focused on on this vertical, on property management. Some of our competitors operate in other verticals. We decided we were going to be laser focused on small to medium sized property management firms. Some of our competitors, they service the large enterprise all the way down to the small. So, and then thirdly, we decided we were going to be really laser focused on residential property management. So, um, so I'm not sure we thought about it as branding back then, but it, it, it is something we thought a lot about in the early days. Where are we going to focus? Where are we going to stake our claim? And, and that's, helped us, that's helped us succeed in a competitive market. That's actually very interesting what you just brought up. I think that's a, a big takeaway here. Focus is branding. Uh, and some, so one of my next question was like, what are specific things, the what's, that we can advise these smaller to mid-sized entrepreneurs to, to invest their time in right now? And I think focusing and picking out their persona, their perfect buying persona, that's a, basically terminology for saying, who's your perfect customer? Really zeroing in on that and building a brand around making your business as attractive as possible to these kind of folks. Yeah, we call that ideal customer profile. So the, the, the better, uh, the clearer you can be on who your ideal customer, I mean in property management, we hear this all the time when you're starting out, people, people will, will, will take on clients, anybody that, that, that's willing to hire them. And, and, uh, and I think the earlier you can be really clear on who your ideal customer is, the more successful, the more successful you'll be. Also, there's a gotcha. lot of rabbit holes in property management too. So property management is a great business. It's, it's, it's a tough business for an entrepreneur because it opens up so many different avenues mm -hmm. of opportunities. And so it's, it's important for those people that are really good at property management to say, you know, the Bible, the Bible phrase of no man can, can serve two masters, either loves one or hate the other. Because you, you, know, you can go down the collection road, you can go down the multifamily, the commercial, real estate. But the, the people that I know that run the best property management companies have that ideal customer, like you're saying, and then focus on what they do the best, and then they, they are able to do a really good job with so, growing their business. So to sum up what we're talking about, I think, I think having a clear focus and also understanding the opportunity cost of being a squirrel mentality, right? Yes, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of squirrel opportunities in this business. If you don't believe me, uh, walk down the trade show floor. <laughs> oh, we've been there. Because uh, you, you, could, you, could, you could literally leave this, uh, this place with a thousand different opportunities of what you want to do. But it's, you, 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 most, most property management companies, they know they go out of business, they, they die of indigestion uh, other than not, not having enough opportunities. Too many opportunities cause them too many problems. So you have to not, have the discipline to say no. Yeah, you got to, you got to. Yeah. Because you could you you could literally chase these all day long. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And man. I've been there, man. I've chased a few myself. I think we all have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So follow up question here, guys. Just putting um, 
ourselves in the shoes of some of the companies that are experiencing some some pressure here. How would you guys handle the following scenario? Hopefully you guys are up for this. Let's say you were running a 250 door property management shop and over the last 12 months, a couple of well-funded businesses have entered your market or direct competitors and they're advertising low fees and they have a pretty attractive service offering and for the first year since you opened, you've lost more properties than you gain. So it is it is dead obvious you cannot float or go sideways. You're either going to have to level up and get to the next level or, or go uh, or really start to suffer. How would you guys handle that that situation? Well, I mean, you know, um, this is this is a great question because this is happening all over the country. I mean, right now in prop in property managementville, uh, the rental the re the real estate market has caused a bit of an issue for property managers to grow because a lot of their properties are being sold. Uh, all the properties that are going on the market for sale are selling, so gives gives a, a more of a challenge for property managers to grow their business unlike you know 2008 2009 2010 where nobody could sell and everybody was handing over thousands and thousands of doors um, so you know you you might have to take an opportunity to kind of rebrand yourself and take a look at the opportunities that are out there because there are opportunities you know in 2009 our company shifted we saw that the the market was going to end up um, like it is today, and we said we need to we need to focus more on multifamily. Right. So the multifamily market right now is exploding; it's blowing up. So if you have a really good property or single family business, there's no reason why you can't make that shift with a company like Buildium, um, you know, to multifamily and take advantage of some of those areas. But those those things are out there; those opportunities are out there. But I would I would strongly recommend not doing the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, that there, there are a lot of opportunities out there identify which one is going to make the most sense for you to grow your business. But it's a, it's a, it's a real live issue that a lot of these smaller property management companies are, are looking at right now. So big changes, not incremental changes is what I'm hearing. Well, I'm kind of a big change guy, and that's one of my problems, right? Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, that's me. I like, I like to make those big changes, um, you know, shock, shock value changes, I guess. But for some people, maybe smaller changes might make, might make a difference. But there's some things that are hard to control, like the market. Sure. Michael, what is your take on it? I'm curious to see from your perspective, what would you, how would you approach this issue? Yeah, I mean, I think diversification is certainly one thing that you sure. could do in order to, to continue to grow. I think, not to sound repetitive, but I think, it, again, it comes back to getting really clear on, on, on what you're going to do better than anyone else and, and staking your claim. Yeah. Um, leaning into the things that you can do that that larger player can't do as well as you. That's where local knowledge comes into play. You talked about being able to tell a really compelling story. Yeah. I think I think it's an opportunity for you, if you haven't done that, to answer some really basic questions about about your company. Things like why do we why do we even exist? What's what's our mission or purpose? Questions like what what do we value? What do we believe? And and what what's the vision for my company two to three years out? I think answering some of those fundamental questions will help bring clarity to to how you're going to differentiate and compete in the market. So it's a, it's one of those things that, you know, answering those questions, everybody sort of understands that they're important questions. They're not always the urgent things to address, but it's a good opportunity to sort of take stock, do some, do some work on your business to figure out what those things are and how you're going to differentiate. And I think, I think you hit it on the head. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's because 
the business isn't coming in. I think at 250 doors, property managers just get so overwhelmed with their business that they don't have time to focus on growing their business. They don't have the systems in place, and so they're just dug in. Look, I mean, 80%, they say anywhere from 65 to 80% of properties are managed across the country by self-managers. There's plenty of opportunity to go get those that business, but it's hard to do when you're so stuck inside of your business. So you've got to get those systems in place, you've got to get the right people on board, and once you can do that, then, man, in this business, as far as I'm concerned, growing growing your company is the easiest thing in the world. Managing the growth is where it's difficult. Yeah, no, you're right. I often say that it's easy to start a property management business, in many states, you don't even need licensure, but right. it's it's really hard to grow. And 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 yeah, with with our with what we're doing at Home River right now, it's like we we find these people that are on these 200 to 500 doors that are kind of stuck, not sure. We kind of come in, um, give help them with the stuff that are dragging them down, give down into the you know the whirlwind, and giving them the resources to kind of grow, focus back on you know growing the business on systems and not stuck in the day to day, which is so easy to do in this business. I think the nail on the head, I mean, I did this in my presentation today, uh, yesterday, or was it today, yes, I can't remember. Um, you know, working- well, All the days just kind of run together in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's, a, Maui. Maui. Exactly. it's Maui and it's very, very intense. Yeah. Uh, this is a very well attended conference. And by the yes, way, folks, good. you're listening, if you're not a NARPA member, you should really consider this is the, the, you know, the ultimate oh mastermind of the industry. But let me, let me, let me just kind of just put a, uh, tighten this up here. Um, Working on the business, I think, is kind of foundational first. Even building a brand, even identifying your client persona. If you're managing your own portfolio of properties, and just so you can make more money yourself, it's probably a good idea for, you know, not do that. Instead, reinvest. Because the opportunity time of you spending 60% of the time to manage your own portfolio is the growth of your company. The ability of your company to compete effectively. So... Things like that, making sure owner statements goes on, go on time. That's not the CEO job, all right. That's right. the job of a quality, you know, quality uh, accounting manager. Right. But I mean, as you see in these in these conferences, all these CEOs or people running their business, they they have to run off into the corner to send out owner statements and stuff like that. Where um, you know, property managers in general, and not to offend anybody, but we're all control freaks, and it's hard to let that stuff go. And that's that's some of the reasons why. You know, you hit that 250 to 400 property range, and it's like I can't let it go, and so you, it's hard to grow past that number. Talking about branding, Andy, this is like Michael just walked in here, and those of us who are watching the video, his T-shirt says "Control Freak." That's right. I mean, he knows his clients. <laughs> yes, doesn't he? He's <laughs> honest about I, it. I didn't even I didn't even see that, but it's it's you something see? I've said in my speeches for a long time. It's like these are control freaks, and it gets a big laugh every time because they all know it's true. Yeah, there's, so. a, there's a great book called E-Myth that stands for Entrepreneurial Myth. Yeah, right. Gruber, right? Michael Gruber. Yeah, and, and in that book, he talks about about the, 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 the trap that so many folks, sure. entrepreneurs, fall into where they, they don't take the time to operationalize parts of their business. So consequently, they can never get out of uh, thinking strategically about their business, and they are. They're yep. doing all the, the sending out the statements, they're reconciling the accounts, they're collecting the rent because they didn't take the time to operationalize right. the business, and that's exactly that's um, that's a that's a pitfall that a lot of entrepreneurs fall into. Yeah, Emith uh, was a foundational book when I read it for me, and it's sure. one of the first real uh, you know business systems how-to books that I've uh, come across, and I highly recommend it to the audience. Uh, you know to Very get acquainted book. with. Uh, E-Myth, uh, it's, it's a big following, you know, it's beyond the book right now, there's coaches and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So Jordan, did we um, want to take a question from the audience or do we go into this hard question next? Actually, I have a hard question prepared. Um, oh, great. This is what most people get wrong, right? This is, this is the one where everybody stumbles. We're talking about, you know, work on the business, stop doing work, you know, that means less. Start doing work that means more. But to do that, what do you need? Great culture. You need a culture, yeah. you need a team. There's just no ways about it. So what are your, you know, maybe some specific, you know, advice on how to, you know, build your team. I mean, I know, Andy, you have an incredible culture in your organization, so you've lived it. And Billium has always been, you know, very impressive in terms of how engaged your employees are. So any advice you can share with our audience? Well, I mean, I could talk about culture all day long. It's not, it's not, uh, it's not just one of those things that is important to, in my mind, it's the only thing that really matters into your business. Um, you know, it's culture comes from the word, from the word cult, which, you know, in religious, religious terms, isn't a great word, but really what is it? Are you, are you building something where you have people that will follow you no matter where you go because of, of the example and the foundation that you've built. And if, if you can build a culture of trust in your organization, then you can let those things go as, as an operator. And when you let those things go, uh, one of my favorite things that I tell, tell my management team, I have a management team back home, um, the less you control, the more you can do. And I really think that's true. The more you can get off and sh give, give people things to do, get things off of your plate, um, then they can really focus more on the important and not the urgent. So, you know, building a culture of trust by showing, showing first, in my opinion, showing first that you trust the employee, not expecting trust back, showing that you can trust them and then they trust you back really kind of frees up your time and uh, you know getting them on a path a career path and understanding their goals and priorities and figuring out a way to help them get there uh, really breeds a foundation of trust and you'll find you'll find your 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 loyal co-workers will, will will break through a wall for your company and um, quite frankly when I when you know we have a good month or bad month or something happens great in our business um, financially that stuff is great but when, when you help an employee kind of uh, see a dream and reach a dream, there's nothing that feels better to me than that. I've I've, that's, that's like the, the tip of the feel good. I feel I get a little tingle talking about it right now, but you know, really being able to help them get to where they need to be is, uh, is where the true joy comes in in owning a business. Uh, you know? And then they, they feel you know, obligated to reciprocate, so. Golden rule, so um, Michael, what is your take on it? Yeah, culture. well, culture is one of those words that mythical words that that means so many different things to so many different people. Some people hear culture, they think about beer fridges and ping pong and foosball tables, free lunches, that sort of thing. If you come from the tech world, but but for me to to make it more tangible, it starts with you really thinking about what kind of an environment do you want to create for your employees? What kind of workplace do you want to create? So at Buildium, we, we decided really early on that, that um, we wanted to build a company that could stand the test of time. And, and in order to do that, we, we knew we had to answer some of those foundational questions I talked about earlier. Why do we exist as a company? What's our purpose? Right. Uh, what do we believe? What are our values? And, and what does the company look like? What's the vision? What does it look like in the next three to five years? And, and, and so in 2012, we, uh, eight years into our company history, we, we spent time answering those questions and describing what does building look like? And part of what, what we described is, is what is the employee experience that we want to create? And, and in doing that, it got a lot more tangible, a lot clearer for us. And, um, and so 
that that's what I would that's what I would that's right. my advice is to really think about what does your property management business look like the next three to five years? What does it look like in terms of revenue? What does it look like in terms of your ideal customer? What does it look like in terms of the kind of employee experience you want to create? Use words, describe it, and and then be really deliberate about it. That's the other thing I would say is that every company has a culture, and and that's uh, right. Whether you're whether you're deliberate about it or not, and and so the best cultures are ones where the the founders are really deliberate about what kind of culture they want to create. So you have to be you have to be deliberate. Otherwise, the culture will just sort of yep. sort of grow organically on its own. And it may or may not be the kind of culture you want. Yeah, and it will be hard to make a shift. Um, when yeah, you things can't. Take it's a life to of their own. Yeah, so you're, yeah. you're gonna have to make some key staff Impossible changes. to change. Those are some bold words. I you think. Stand by that? I think. I think it is. I mean, I, I think you can make a bunch of you know large changes, but culture has a funny way of attaching itself to the least common denominator. Mm. So you've, you're 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 well said. You've got to you've got to be able to get really good people and really good things in there. Um, you know, from the from the start, because if if you don't, it's culture doesn't. Good culture doesn't happen by accident. You really, like you said, you really have to think about it. You have to plan. And I really feel like the culture that we built at Park Place, which is you know one of the companies that we have, uh, it was built from the ground up. You know, it's like what the, the the management team or myself didn't say. You know, here's our mission statement. Here's our vision statement. We all got in a room. We got we put it together. That way, you don't have to sell it. You know, it's coming from them. They own it. You know, and those things are all like you were saying. All those things are really important. But I think it's mostly important to be able to have you know, the rank and file contribute to that and make it special. I even have my, my, my uh, we, we, we read our statements every morning in our morning meeting, but even at my house, I have a, a family mission statement that my five-year-old repeats every Monday at uh, family home evening. So it's pretty impressive. it's pretty you do, impressive. Do you do performance reviews with your five-year-old? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes and no. It, it's called it's called Christmas. If there's no if there's no if there's no if there's no presents, she's been it. naughty. I love Just it. kidding. Just kidding. That's good. So we have a couple more minutes. Um, I had one more follow up oh, question, yeah. guys. This is one I'm really curious to get both y'all's takes on. Um, what is y'all's thought on the rate of change driven by technology in this industry? Are we seeing any plateaus? We've seen the kind of the broad PC revolution that's kind of come and exploded and now it's leveling off a bit. The rate of change driven by technology in this industry, is it accelerating, decelerating? What's y'all's, y'all's thought? Well, I, want, I, have, I have a thought, but I feel like you're... Yeah, I, I think it's, it's everything speeding. I mean, we just look at the vendors on this floor today versus versus just three years ago. It's um, it's almost dizzying for property managers because every every year there are more tools, more technologies, more opportunities to automate. So I think I think it's it's interesting because the industry has been generally slow to adopt technology relative to other right. industries, right. and um, but yet the the rate of change is is increasing and. And so I, I don't think that trend is going to. I think it's a it's a trend that's going to continue. I don't think it's going to slow. And so I think it is. It's it's incumbent upon property management firms, particularly those that are looking to grow, the growth-minded ones, to to figure out how to leverage the technology that's out there. Because if they if they don't, it's going to be hard for them to to compete. So I think it's it's going to continue to accelerate. I do think there's probably going to come a point where there's going to be some consolidation. I mean, the, the number of tools, as I say, it's dizzying. The number of vendors is dizzying. I think there probably will be some consolidation, sure. uh, but but um, but I don't think it's going to slow down. Yeah, and I agree. I think like 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 we talked about a lot of these um, you know these companies coming in well funded. Um, they're putting a lot. They're betting big on technology, and they're implementing it. And you know, the smaller mom and pop companies are going to have to really embrace that. 
to kind of keep up with a lot of the services that they offer. The, the good thing is, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not too concerned uh, to, for us to get to uh, Uber property management, something like that. Sure. The nice thing that we have is a ton of regulation. The industry is fragmented like crazy. And so um, that, you know, something like that might be coming down the pipe a long time from now, but I don't think in the near future. But I don't think it's going to slow down by any means, Jordan. I think it's going to be, I think we're going to see what we've seen, but, uh, you know, even, even more going down the road. Makes sense. I, I essentially agree. All right, guys. So um, I want to thank you kindly for your time, Michael. Happy to do it. It was pleasure. Fun. And thank you for taking time out of your busy thanks, calendar, thanks, Andrew. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. And um, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Let's do it by the beach next time. <laughs> Let's do it by the beach. All right. Sounds All right. good. Thanks All for right. being here, guys.